Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Product in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight on some of the exceptional product leaders we have here as part of the LA product community. And on this week's episode, I'm really excited to have Show Song. Thanks for having me, Ethan. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. As uh, as always, the Product in LA podcast is brought to you by the Product Managers Association of Los Angeles. You can find them on PMA.LA. And PMA is a professional organization of LA's top talent. They have over 2,500 PMs as their membership. They put on monthly meetups. The next one is coming up on October 27th. It'll be hosted by the Books in Marina Del Rey. And the speaker will be Henry Vasquez of Cornerstone On Demand talking about enterprise product management and how that differs from consumer from D to C. Very excited to have him. Uh, and also PMALA does a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to help build a more diverse and better next generation of product people. For more information, go to pma.la slash mentorship. Our guest today is Sho Song. Very excited to have him. He's a principal product manager at Instacart. And in his past roles, he's been a lead product manager at GoodRx and he's had product roles at an EdTech startup called Sketchy, as well as Doctors for America. And one interesting fact you might learn about Sho by going to his page or talking to him is he has an MBA, but he's also an MD with a, a medical doctorate. So uh, very excited to to have a a doctor doctor on the on the show here. Uh, thanks so much, show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I actually just realized when I was looking through your LinkedIn that you are a doctor as well, PhD, right? Doctor, yes, but you're the real doctor who can actually help people. So definitely appreciate <laughs> you and uh, all the the medical doctors out there. Definitely. Uh, so. Of journeys into product management, uh, yours has been a unique story from from anyone I've heard. Very curious to to hear and share with our listeners. You know your journey into product, uh, having gone through medical school and I believe through residency through the through the the gauntlet, and then moving into product. Love to hear more about your background and, and what brought you into product and and how that resonates with what you do today. Yeah, sure. Happy to share. Uh, I'll try to keep it a little bit short. As you as you are uh, you already mentioned, it is definitely a bit of a winding road. And I think if you were to ask me, did I think you know like 10, 12 years ago when I was uh, when I was just getting out of college uh, that I'd be here uh, in product, I would probably have said, you know, you're absolutely crazy. Uh, so, uh, it, it's, it's, so I, I wouldn't say it was exactly planned on my part either, but, um, as a brief, uh, kind of brief background, I went to college, uh, to study computer science when I was in, uh, when I was in high school, you know, I, I love computers. I, I, I think I got my first one when I was like five or six and just like fell in love with, uh, with computers and everything about them. Totally thought I was going to work for you know, like Google or, or some, some software company like that, uh, going into college. And, you know, honestly, that's why I, I went where I did. I, uh, you know, I decided to go to MIT, um, study computer science there. 
and uh, you know had did all of the computer science things like over the first like two or three years of like college, like you know had internships, um, you know, like went to you know did did the whole club thing, and uh, completely thought when I graduated I would just like find a job as a software engineer and you know that would be my career. But uh, that just ended up not being the case uh, when I was when, when I had my um, uh, I had my first internship uh, after my uh, my freshman year. And it was just uh, it was, the experience was just so different from what I imagined. You know, I thought I would I thought I would be, you know, interacting with uh, with kind of more senior engineers on a regular basis and uh, building like really cool and exciting things and what ended up happening was uh, I was in an, I was in a cubicle uh, staring at a computer by myself. It's a terrible um, start. Go on. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah, and uh, and and did that for most of the literally the one week that I was there because on Monday of the second week of my internship, uh, I got word from my manager that some other company had acquired the startup that I was interning for. And all the engineers were out of jobs, not just me, but like literally all of the engineers. So um, probably about as suboptimal of, <laughs> of a first uh, experience in uh, software engineering as you can get. Um, and I just remember walking home uh, to like my dorm that, that day and just thinking like, what am I going to do now? Um, <laughs> and, Laid off and, as an intern? Uh, yeah, laid off as an intern. I had like a, I had literally, I had a severance check of like thirty five dollars. Um, it was, uh, and and I and I really had, I mean, more importantly, had nothing to do for the rest of the summer, and kind of like looking ahead, really like didn't know what I was going to do in the wake of this experience in terms of like what I was going to do for my career. So I, I sat down and thought really long and hard about it, and that's when I uh, ultimately decided that I was going to do something different uh, with, uh, you know, coming out of college and settled on medicine as being this optimal combination of, um, of, of, of kind of scientific thinking and being very like deliberate and structured in how you go about understanding what you need to do. Okay. But coupled with the human interaction and kind of service aspect um, that I really felt was missing from my very short experience in software engineering. And that's how I ended up going to med school. Um, you know, I, I uh, went to med school at, at Northwestern. So I moved out to Chicago. And, um, you know, while I was there, you could, you could argue that I'm, I, I'm a bit of a, uh, of a bit of a nerd, uh, I would say lifelong student. Um, when I was when I was in med school, I uh, decided to do the combined MD Master of Public Health degree program. Um, so I came out of med school with uh, with two degrees. Decided I was going to go into pediatrics. Uh, moved back to the East Coast to do my pediatric residency training, uh, and then uh, you know went to work as a pediatric hospitalist. Actually, seeing patients. Seeing patients in the hospital, my job was, um, you know, a, a bit, a bit different from what you know a normal uh, pediatrician, quote unquote, standard, typical pediatrician would uh, would do. You know, in that all I saw were uh, sick kids who came who were sick enough to be admitted to the hospital, and my entire 
my entire job was to, you know, make them better, send them home and hopefully never see them again. Uh, and I think that that last part was really what um, ultimately led to me leaving the profession. Uh, I, you know, after having seen patients for, for a number of years, I realized that I started seeing patients over again. Uh, and, you know, not just like kind of the same type of cases over again, but literally the same people, the same kids coming back into the hospital. And, you know, I think that, I think that kicked off a, a, a number of very uncomfortable questions for me. Like, what was I doing that like was maybe not so much what I was doing, but like, you know, what are we as a profession doing if these kids are coming back to the hospital? And I think more, more pertinently, like, do I as a pediatrician have any control or impact over whether a kid comes to the hospital? And I think the really uncomfortable answer was probably not, you know, like, and I'll give you one example. Um, usually in the, in the winter, uh, fall and winter is, uh, kind of, you know, the peak season for asthma exacerbations and, you know, kind of the typical things that would, um, uh, would generally cause, you know, like sniffles or colds in, uh, in most kids, but in, in certain kids with asthma or who are predisposed to asthma, uh, would cause reactions or exacerbations okay. that were, uh, you know, severe enough to warrant admission. And, you know, I think during, over the course of asthma season, I would, I would definitely see kids, the same kids coming back to the, to the ER and getting admitted multiple times over the course of a season. And, you know, when we do a really good job in the hospital of making these kids, um, making these kids well, and then sending them home. But before we send them home, you know, at least, at least when I was working in DC, uh, we were, um, we had to kind of, uh, we had to provide an asthma action plan and go over it with, uh, with the patient and their parents. And I remember after having gone through enough of these, I realized, you know, what was it, what was I actually saying? You know, like the things that I was saying were, okay, well, you know, you obviously had an asthma exacerbation. We're sending you home. Here's a list of medications that you need to take. Some of which you were taking before you came to the hospital, but some of which are new. We don't really spend time talking about whether you can afford those medications. Mm -hmm. um, we just kind of prescribe it and say, take it. Uh, and if you don't take it, you're probably going to end up back in the hospital. Um, and then we go through this litany of kind of social, uh, you know, interventions that need to happen in order to prevent kids from getting to the hospital. And these are all evidence-based best practices, but okay. there are things like, you know, make sure your parents aren't smoking at home. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure your parents aren't smoking, period. You know, make sure that you aren't living in a really like dusty and dirty apartment with, um, with you know, old carpets that haven't been cleaned in forever, with like, you know, cockroaches and other pests. And, and as I was reading, and you know, as I read through these things, I'm like, what am I like, what if anything, you know, uh, of what I'm talking about is actually going to land, like me saying these things isn't like these, these things are not, you know, rocket science. This is, yeah. these things are things that like these parents are already aware of, but just don't have the means or the ability to change. And like me saying these things isn't going to actually change anything. And that was really, I think the moment that, you know, 
where, where things started to change. And I won't say like, you know, the next day I decided, Hey, I'm going to like quit medicine and do something completely different. But I will say that that, um, kind of started to sow the seeds of, uh, you know, uh, of burnout and, 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 and demoralization. And it ultimately ended up to me, uh, with me taking a bit of a sabbatical and, um, you know, originally I was thinking I was just going to take a break, uh, recharge and then kind of get back into medicine. But, uh, <laughs> as, as uh, luck or fate would have it, you know, that, that was when I, um, kind of got my first break in, uh, in tech. A so what was that like, how, how did you, how did you go from, and the seeds are so, and I, I can kind of see where the story is headed, but I'd love to, to hear from your side, like, tell me about that first break and then, you know, how you've trans translated, you know, all these skills that you've developed into product and how they kind of come out in your product management today. Sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, my, my first kind of break in medicine is probably similar to, sorry, not in medicine, but in tech is probably similar to what a lot of folks who make like kind of these hard pivots into tech. Um, uh, you know, I had a couple, a couple of my, um, old classmates or friends from med school, uh, you know, reached out to me and said, Hey, we're starting a, um, we're starting a business, you know, do you want to help us? Uh, and you know, the business that they were planning to start was, medical medically related it was focused on medical education and um you know i didn't really have much else to do at the time so uh i was like okay sure yeah this is like a nice break from from the grind of like practicing medicine and you know i do have a bit of a tech background who knows if it'll even be relevant you know right. to what i'm doing but uh yeah sure i'm happy to try something new and um and see if it you know see if it goes anywhere uh, totally didn't think it was actually going to go anywhere. And originally was working part-time remotely. Um, but you know, as, uh, as kind of these things would have it, they, uh, the, our product found product market fit very quickly. And, um, you know, within a couple of months, you know, we were, we were getting sales and, um, I think very quickly realized that this thing, this, this thing had legs, like this, not just this product, but this company had legs. And, uh, after a while of trying to make it work kind of remotely, you know, uh, the, the founders convinced me to move all the way out here across the country for, uh, from Florida to LA and, you know, work full time on this thing. And that was, that was it, you know, like I, uh, wouldn't, I wasn't called a product manager at the time, you know, you know, we right. were a tiny little startup. We had like maybe five people, like five employees. And, um, you know, as with all startups that small, you kind of do a little bit of everything. And, right. you know, I was originally brought on to, to, um, help create content and kind of do more editorial work. Uh, but I think very quickly we, um, we, the company like realized that there was a need for us to, get more, um, I guess, efficient at, um, the, at the engineering side. Like we had some engineers who, uh, who we, who we had hired onto our payroll, but, um, they, I think the, the communication between our founders who are, I think acting as like de facto PMs, um, and the engineers just wasn't clear. And I think it was because, our founders, like, you know, were medicine folks, like through and through had no like engineering training or engineering background and didn't really know how to communicate, like what their 
requirements, what their product requirements were in a way that made sense um, to engineers and didn't really understand kind of the software development process to understand that like when they, uh, when they, you know, when they change up the requirements in the middle of development, uh, that like engineers can't really, uh, well, engineers can pivot, but that it's going to add additional scope and time. And, you know, I think the, the founders were really frustrated with how slow development wa was going and the engineers were really frustrated with all the changing priorities and changing directions. So, right. um, I ended up, you know, kind of stepping in there, uh, to try to smooth things out and, and, you know, kind of iron out the, the development process. And I mean, ultimately that was, that was kind of the beginnings of uh, me, like making that transition into product management. Um, I think you, you asked, you asked a question about, you know, what kind of skills I felt like maybe were maybe translated the best. And I think it's like really interesting looking back on my old career as a, as a physician. And I would say like, this is probably not exactly true for every physician, but definitely hospital medicine physicians, I feel like have a very similar type of uh, job description as product managers. And it's, it's really weird. And let me explain. Go um, ahead. This is awesome. <laughs> When you, uh, when you as a hospitalist admit a patient to your service, sure, there's, there's definitely kind of like the bread and butter cases like asthma and dehydration and gastroenteritis and all those things where hospitalists do uh, kind of manage that patient end to end. But then there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of cases where uh, the patient may have something that is a little bit more complicated. Um, like for example, they may have an infection of their bones, or they may have some sort of weird, uh, rheumatological condition that requires admission to the hospital. And these are conditions that hospitalists really don't have like the subject matter expertise to solve for their patient end to end. And that's when we recruit, um, consultants, whether they're like, you know, subspecialists like infectious disease or rheumatology or dermatology or other, you know, non-medical professionals, but who also kind of help out with, um, assist, uh, with, uh, getting the patient out of the hospital. And I'm talking about like folks like, you know, nutrition, social work, case management, um, speech therapy, physical therapy, all of these other functions. And it's really the hospital physician's job to coordinate all the other efforts that are kind of happening around the patient to achieve one specific objective, which is either, you know, diagnosing the patient or treating the patient and getting the kid out of the hospital as soon as possible. And so as you can see, I mean, I see you laughing, but it's kind of like, like the, the parallels are just super, I mean, like when I look back, the parallels are just super clear with what I used to do and what I do now. It's just the people and the roles and the subject matter is, you know, different. But uh, I really do think that my experience in my background, you know, corralling all these different functions with all their own specific agendas um, and, and focusing them on one kind of unified goal was uh, really, really instructive and helped me kind of help me ramp up to product management as a profession a lot more quickly than I think I would have otherwise. That's amazing. So 
the the hospital doctors are essentially you know the product is the health of the of the patient and you know they are leading with without authority across you know a number of different groups uh trying to achieve the common goal uh yeah the the, the commonalities are uncanny that's that's terrific yeah and then you spent some time at good rx i imagine that your background in, in medicine helped there or is, would be surprised at it, you know, which way, or is that something where it's like, okay, this is terrific. Like this is kind of wheelhouse. This is, this is like things coming together um, and really, you know, advancing your, your product skills because you have that deep medical background. Yeah. And I think I, I will definitely say that, you know, like good RX was uh, my first true like PM role, you know, because, you know, like I definitely had, uh, kind of product related responsibilities at Sketchy, but we were so startup-y that, you know, it wasn't like a formal kind of job description. Whereas uh, when I was recruited to uh, join GoodRx, it was at as a product manager yeah. with, uh, in a kind of, in an environment or an organization where product was like, you know, relatively well-defined. Um, I do think that my subject matter expertise uh, you know, kind of basically being the uh, the one and only product manager with a medical degree um, helped me transition into that role. And I think for the first, you know, few months as I was getting my, you know, getting my feet under me and understanding how product is um, is built at GoodRx, that, that medical background and expertise really helped me to contribute, you know, I think more quickly than uh, I would have if I were just kind of starting up as any other PM. And uh, one fun anecdote that like I like to share is, you know, uh, GoodRx is all about, um, you know, helping people save money on their prescriptions. Uh, but uh, and you would think that like as as a company that we that was you know uh, that was focused entirely around prescriptions that. Um, most of us would uh, would know how to pronounce most of these words, but okay. you know these are these are these are like very difficult words to pronounce and very uh, long ones, yeah, and, and very long ones. And you know, I think the one that we uh, the drug that we always kind of like to use internally at, at GoodRx for um, uh, for like kind of uh, the standard or or typical medication is atorvastatin. Uh, which is a uh, you know a, a high high cholesterol medication. It's also known as Lipitor. And uh, I was, I was, I remember being shocked when I, when I got there, like at how few people knew how to pronounce the word atorvastatin in like meetings. So uh, I think like a few, a, a couple of weeks or a couple of months into work there, uh, I was like, okay, like, uh, I just need to, I just need to set up some time and invite basically the entire company and just say like, Hey, if you're interested <laughs> in like actually learning how to pronounce these words correctly, like. I'll just like host a thing, host like a 30 minute session where we, we just like walk through how to pronounce these drugs, like where these names come from and hopefully, you know, make it so that if any random employee at GoodRx were, you know, interviewed, uh, uh, you know, on, on camera that they would actually be able to pronounce at least one uh, prescription name. Uh, and so, you know, it was like kind of like little things like that, that helped me build credibility like really early on when I was starting and um, help, you know, at least give me that runway to ramp up as a PM before uh, I dove into my, you know, my, my, my first big project there. 
that's absolute gold. And, and just, just thinking in terms of someone who, for someone who's interested in getting into product management, um, having deep technical background or industry knowledge in an industry, trying to find a PM job in that industry, to, to your point, you know, someone who does that, even if you're learning the ropes for, for product management, uh, being able to have the ability to understand, you know, maybe the, the industry without having to learn both product management and the industry at the same time. Um, and I'm thinking back to my own, you know, journey into product where I, I had to to learn both at the same time. Uh, man, I, that, that, that's a terrific thing to to point out to folks who are who are up and coming into product or or as folks are trying to mentor others to to get into product um that that's that's phenomenal yeah it's definitely a great um you know for those who are looking to make that lateral move into product it's definitely a great way to get your foot in the door um especially if if you uh not even if you not even as a as a pm i think that's like the ideal situation is you get you you get into a PM role at a company where you have subject matter expertise um, in the industry and are able to contribute that way. But I think, you know, realistically speaking, a lot of companies probably are more risk averse than that and aren't willing to take the chance on someone who's maybe who maybe has not had any product management experience. And I think in those cases, I would, you know, my recommendation to folks who've asked me, you know, how to do this on their own is try to find a company where you can maybe come in as a consultant, maybe a part-time consultant on, you know, solely on the back of your industry um, expertise and your industry knowledge, um, show that you can contribute meaningfully to, to that company's success, and then start having a conversation once you've actually become a proven entity about how you can turn what you've done so far into a uh, into a position, into a product management role at the company full time, uh, and I feel like you know uh, I've coached, I've coached a number of um, uh, of, of professionals who've um, who've wanted to make this transition into product, and that path uh, seems to be the one that has the most or the highest chances of success. And you built the uh, the program at GoodRx to to turn into product managers, right? I believe I came across that and, and look up your background. Yeah, that's right. Um, while I was uh, a PM there, I um, I created a, a product management internship program at GoodRx. And you know, I think one of the things that was uh, very near and dear to my heart, and uh, one of the things that we focused on when we were sourcing candidates were non-traditional candidates. So not your kind of standard, you know, computer science major or like human interaction design major coming out of college, but potentially, you know, folks with, you know, three, four, five years of, you know, of industry expertise uh, who, you know, maybe were uh, going through pharmacy school or potentially going through med school and, you know, found out that it wasn't for them. Um, you know, folks like, folks like that who, like, who had an interest in product management, just wanted to see what it was about and who had, you know, I think the, the necessary like intellectual horsepower or, or um, you know, soft skills that, uh, you know, could translate into success as a PM. Those were the folks that we really, really indexed highly on um, when we were sourcing our intern class. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the big success stories there was, 
you know, we were able to grab, you know, we were able to get folks and recruit folks who probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, maybe been the first choice for as, as, as PM interns, you know, in, uh, you know, in, in other, in other companies or other industries. And, um, you know, we were able to give them a, uh, uh, an experience in product management that they could then, you know, turn around and turn into a full-time offer either with us or elsewhere. It's that foot in the door, the elusive foot in the door for, for everyone who's trying to get in and every PM I've ever spoken to, there's, there's someone somewhere who took a chance on them or gave them an opportunity. And, and that's, that's why they're where they are today. So it's amazing to hear, you had scaled that at, at GoodRx by creating this internship program to to find those folks who who hadn't already gotten their foot in the door and, and help them get there. That's 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 yeah, so I'll say, valuable. Like, I'll say myself included. You know, like my <laughs> my uh, my old VP of product uh, Ravi. You know, I would say like fully took a chance on me, and um, you know, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I was without that opportunity that he gave me at GoodRx. So. Um, that's like one of the things that that's always on my mind when I'm, when I'm, uh, doing things like this is just making sure I pass it, you know, uh, I pay it forward and, and, you know, train the next, uh, or give opportunities to the next generation of, of PMs. Well, uh, we got time for one last question. Um, this is, you know, product in LA and very much uh, an LA based show and love just to hear, you know, What's the most LA thing that's happened to you? You know, it could be product related, doesn't have to be product related, but you know, living in this city, any good stories that came out of it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, I, for the first like four years of, of my, my time in LA, because I, I moved there out in like 2017, I lived downtown. And I think the most LA thing is, is like I had no idea just how many car commercials were filmed in LA. Like literally like watching TV, like sitting in my apartment in downtown LA, I was like, you know, it's like every single car commercial. Hey, I remember, I recognize that building. I recognize those streets. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, like when I'm walking down the street on like a Saturday morning or something, like, you know, a street will be closed and there's like some, you know, some, some unmarked car with like a bunch of like cameras like around it. Uh, yeah, I would say like, that's probably the most LA thing that it's ever happened is, um, just, just realizing how much actually gets filmed in downtown LA and like being able to like point it out on TV. Oh man, you're reminding me of a friend from, uh, from back home. He used to live out here in LA and he told me that one day he was in an office building in DTLA and then there was a helicopter flying low and fast and it turned out they were they were filming die hard uh live free or die hard where they're like flying those helicopters in downtown like through tunnels and stuff so yeah that that is such an la thing we're recognizing locations that you see on tv while you're walking in them terrific well thank you so much show for for sharing your story and and for becoming a, such a engaged member of the la product community we're, we're thankful that you made the journey here yeah. Uh, you know, again, thanks so much for having me and, um, you know, definitely respect everything you do with PMA LA and looking forward to more events, uh, you know, to join. 
And just to bring it on home, it's uh, PMA.LA is the Product Managers Association Los Angeles. The next event will be October 27th, 2022, to, to make this evergreen. And uh, it'll be at the Books in Marina del Rey. Um, thank you all for, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on Product in L.A.